0: This is Join the Dots. Hello, this is day 10 of COP26, 10th of November 2021. Uh, It's just after one o'clock and I'm finally making my way to Green Zone. Um, This morning I had a meeting with the Scottish Government on, of course, all things environment. Um, But the building, that science centre, Glasgow Science Centre, is gorgeous. In the sunlight, a metal um, shell-shaped building with, of course, seagulls on top. Um, The first update is from Lucy from Women's Equality Party. Um, She's recorded herself uh, in response to my questions. We haven't yet managed to meet and we thought just in case we can't meet. Um, Oh, we're in the... Oh, we're in the wrong place. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have to walk up and around again. Um, anyway, you'll hear now from Lucy first about the, the gender um, coverage of yesterday and uh, then I'll wrap up with my um, impressions of today at the end of the day.
1: Thank you. Hi. I'm Lucy Hammond from the Women's Equality Party, and I've been asked by ECE to talk about the women and girl-focused events that I've attended at COP26 in Glasgow so far. Yesterday was the main gender-focused day in the official COP26 calendar in the green zones and the blue zones, but I've also been going to eco-feminist COP fringe events, which have been very inspiring. It has been abundantly clear from all the speakers and especially from the indigenous women from the global south who managed to get here, despite the vaccine apartheid, that women and girls are the worst affected already by the climate crisis. 80% of those already displaced by the climate emergency are women and girls. But also that women and girls are the biggest part of any solution, and when in power, they are the most active and effective in battling climate change. As Nancy Pelosi said yesterday, women don't agonise, we organise. And Nicola Sturgeon said, women are not pleading to be supported, but are demanding to be empowered. So, yesterday um, in the morning, I went to a Green Zone event in the beautiful Science Centre, which is a shell shaped sort of silver building on the Clyde, to hear speakers on the subject of. Not Without Us, Pathways to a Gender-Just Transition. There were some great speakers and some great solutions um, and um, ideas about how we can get a gender-just transition. In the afternoon, I went to see um, an event called, which was organised by She Changes Climate and that was in the Pipe Factory um, an old building in the Gorbals in Glasgow, and that was focusing on where are the women and hearing from women leaders, mainly in the fashion and beauty industries, um, about what they are doing to reduce climate damage, as well as a powerful film um, and women speakers from an agricultural and sustainable project in the Amazon I also went to a Hollywood fringe event organised by the Scottish government uh, a few days before, which was on inclusion and diversity and inequality. And there was a particularly brilliant speaker um, who's the Chancellor of Harriet Watt, Sir Jeff Palmer, whose family actually came from Jamaica on the banana boats, on the famous uh, banana boats. I also... Um, some of the most powerful events that I've been to as part of the COP26 fringe, and as part of the COP26 coalition movement assemblies, um, have been events organised by, um, and also events organised by the Women's Budget Group and the Women's Environmental Network at the Pierce Institute in Govern. Here I heard first-hand accounts from women from the global south about the devastating effects already on their lives, and and the existing gross gender inequalities, which are only magnified by the climate emergency, due to women being the poorest and most reliant on the land and the least powerful. I also heard the message several times that unpaid care work is the hidden engine of our economies. And that's a quote from Maeve Cohen, who did the Oxfam report. And we need to change the way that we measure the success of our economies, across the globe from GDP to actual welfare and care-led, valuing care work. For example, a solution would be to move to a circular economy or donut economy model, which the Scottish Government is currently looking at. I heard about other possible solutions like a feminist Green New Deal by the Women's Budget Group um, and holding big corporations and governments to account through the greater representation of women in positions of power. I think that this holding to account is going to be an even bigger piece of work than COP has been. And after COP, whatever major deals are agreed high up um, to try and save the planet, we will need to make sure that we use all the alliances that we've made in our different groups to hold them to account and make sure they, they carry those out. And more. Um, today, there's, there's going to be the, the two giant female puppets, the famous Amal, um, Syrian refugee giant puppet, and Storm, will be meeting up in Glasgow for a powerful visual message about women and girls and the effect of the climate emergency on them. Although sometimes my overall feeling was of anger and hopelessness in the face of the climate emergency that is that is before us this cop and meeting all the inspiring people that i've met gives me hope that it is not too late and also a big thanks to glasgow for being such great hosts gallus fechter that's the Gaelic for strong women thank you
0: Hi, this is the second update for today, day 10 of COP26, and I'm in the canteen of Green Zone with Merrick Denton-Thompson. Um, he's here because his project at Chalderton Farm is a finalist for the Climate Challenge Cup, which will be announced this evening. Merrick, hello.
2: Hello, Etchie. Nice to see you.
0: <laughs> nice to see you too. Can you tell us a little bit about the project?
2: I can indeed. We're at a, a really important crossroads, having left uh, Europe. We're, of course, now having to, for the first time for 50 years, decide on what our farming and agricultural policy will be as a nation. Um, and uh, the, the government, because they're very committed to um, designing the new scheme of environmental land management uh, on a bottom-up basis, uh, they've invited a whole number of people to participate in the design of, uh, of ELMS. And I put forward a couple of ideas. One was uh, the Cholderton estate, um, which is a 1,000 hectare estate on the Hampshire-Wiltshire border. Um, and uh, I've had a lot to do with agriculture for many years. Uh, and I can honestly tell you that Cholderton, in my view, uh, is a, an outstanding example of sustainable food production, where the disciplines required for natural capital and for climate change define the production targets so it's not just production at any cost it's it it there's a huge discipline associated with the strategy that henry edmonds the farmer uh, has adopted not just for one year he's been at it now 25 years he's the hero here and what we've done is to produce a model land management plan uh, which is about empowering the farming community on chalk soils um, to really adopt a sustainable approach, it's very much centred on on soil. So um, Chalderton Estate is a shallow chalk soil, Grade Three agricultural land, um, and uh, Henry Edmonds has adopted a system whereby um, he develops very strong, healthy microbial content to his soils through a quite a sophisticated um, farm rotation system. 10-year rotation, Uh, four years um, arable, uh, six years uh, grazing. But he adopts um, a a particular recipe, seed mix, uh, where the root profile is the critical criteria. So um, he has very, very deep-rooted herbs as well as shallow grass uh, grass, grass roots. Um, And the shallow plough, very shallow plough, means that he's leaving the carbon in the soil. So if you compare his farm with uh, neighbouring farms, for example, um, he sequestrates uh, double uh, what 80% of farms on the chalk soil sequestrate. So for an ordinary uh, arable farm, um, you can reckon about 65 tonnes per hectare is sequestrated. Um, Henry's minimum is 128 tonnes per hectare. And if you do the projection across the 4.5 million hectares of farmland in the UK, you will end up by a a mathematical figure that can demonstrate that the farming industry could indeed sequestrate um, the same total as we emit as a nation on an annual basis. Now, of course, um, that would take 25 years to achieve. Um, and it's going to be down to every industry and every farm to think about uh, their own carbon footprint um, and uh, establish the baseline before then a strategy. And that's, that would be my advice to uh, the COP conference, that we need to look at not only cultural change, of course, that's big, but we've also got to look very closely at every industry, establish the baseline, define a strategy then for con- con- transforming... Um, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, climate implications of that business, um, and 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 then be accountable, uh, may and held accountable for uh, securing uh, a healthy world.
0: Thank you very much so you said grade three and i know there are grades one two and three is three the best or the worst, worst. the worst okay um and also elms you mentioned it's the environment land management scheme that replaces the common agricultural policy in, for england um and i think the soil thing is actually it's I, I know you're a big champion of soils but we don't you know most people don't think about soils as carbon sinks but um they hold a lot of carbon and a lot of biodiversity that we don't see biodiversity is not just about fluffy beautiful things is it it's lots of about microbes and worms and things that microscopic right Um, so I think it's not Natural solutions to net zero is not just about planting trees. It's about looking after what we already have and investing in soils. And that's why this particular example is very important.
2: So it's, it's very important because it's really multifunctional aspects of soil, yeah. which is critical. Um, and yes, you're right. Uh, I mean, the the richest uh, biome actually in the country is actually in the soils. Yeah. Um, We spend tens of millions of pounds gardening for individual species, like stone curlew plots, for example. But actually, unless you have the microbial health in the soils, all of that sort of investment is wasted. If you transform the microbial health of the soils, you will trigger nature recovery on a scale that is unsurpassed anywhere at the moment. So it's very, very important that we end up with policies that nurture our soils. Um, And uh, you can quadruple your water holding capacity. You can build enormous resilience to climate events. Um, You can create, uh, you can do your carbon capture. You can also uh, release nutrients. You can create soil by getting this, this, uh, this uh, relationship with, um, with uh, management of soil right. And, and that's the science. Yeah. And that's going to have to be the new science, is really how do we, how do we um, uh, harness the power of natural systems, whereas up until now we've suppressed the power of natural systems and, and we've, got to re- we've got to take a different path.
0: Thank you very much, Merrick. I hope that path we will travel on very fast from now on. Thank you for listening and we'd love to hear from you on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook.